and welcome to episode 607 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is Monster Kid Radio. I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and you are, well, some of my favorite people in the world. I say it a lot, and I mean it, and I'm even going to say it later in this episode. Monster Kid Radio has the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you. Listening to the podcast right now. You're awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting what we do here at Monster Kid Radio. And just come along for the ride when we talk about the classic or sometimes not so classic monster movies. We're having a good time because we love these things. We love them. And we celebrate them. And something that we did this week on the podcast is I fired up the Interocitor, launched our Twitch channel, and we hosted a live supposed to be 35 and ended up being 34 question monster kid movie trivia quiz we need a much nicer name for that because we're going to do it again because i had a blast and the 10 of you that joined us on twitch live oh man i hope y'all had a good time too it seemed like y'all had a good time i had a lot of fun and seeing that putting together the questions and just hanging out with y'all now, I know that when I do these impromptu Twitch things, I announce it on Facebook. Sometimes I announce it on Twitter. But I don't always give you a lot of ahead-of-time notice, so it's kind of hard to plan for something like this. And for that reason, I recorded that trivia quiz. So, you're going to get a chance to play around with us and see how you stack against the people that played in the game on Twitch. Now, as I said, I'm going to be doing it again. In fact, this may become a regular thing. And I may have even stumbled across something that I could actually keep fulfilling on Patreon if I do this as a Patreon-exclusive thing, in addition to the regular thing. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of possibilities here. I had a, such a good time. I hope it comes across in the recording. But... Before we get to that recording from that Twitch night, you got your segments. You got two regular segments that make this podcast so much better than they would be without them. I'm talking about Kenny's Look at Famous Monsters of Filmland and Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review. We hit a milestone with Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review because we are going to start our walk through every episode of The Return of Ultraman right this is the fourth this is fourth right the fourth ultra series mark has been knocking it out of the park every single week you know the one week that we missed was my fault because i had some issues on my end he has never faltered and i just i really appreciate it plus kenny put so much work into the production of what he does it makes the show so much better we're going to get to all of that but first Hey, let's knock out some emails that I have sitting here. This one comes from Tom G. Hey, Derek, just some very quick feedback. I enjoyed hearing about Shin Ultraman. was not able to go to the local showing, so it was nice to hear what you both thought. I really want a Blu-ray of it now. Beth, you are awesome. I appreciate your thoughts, and you are definitely a fantastic addition to the show. You have a unique perspective, and I'm looking forward to more from you. I'm listening to the Planet of the Vampire show now. Robert's a fantastic guest and I enjoy the comfort you have with each other. The movie is really cool, and I think I'll re-watch it this weekend. That's it for now, Tom. Okay, in reverse order, I hope you had a chance to re-watch Planet of the Vampires, and if you did, I'd love to hear any new thoughts you might have about the movie. 
call in or write it in or whatever. I did send your message to Beth as well. I appreciate you appreciating her being on the show. She is definitely going to be on the show more often than not, I think, moving forward. Uh, she seems to enjoy it. Y'all seem to enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it. So as long as we can make it work time-wise, we'll have her on the show, well, as often as I can. Also, Shin Ultraman, I'm still kind of buzzing about that. That was so much fun. I don't know if it's been released or if there's any news about it being released to Blu-ray yet, but as soon as there's news, I'm probably going to make a point to pick it up. So thanks for writing in. I appreciate you, sir. All right, I got another email here. This one comes from a new listener, Don L. Don writes, I'm madly in love with the podcast. I started to type radio show. Ha ha. I am suddenly 60 years old, which is a tragic betrayal of time and space. But as with many old people, when they reach their dotage, I have returned to my roots, which in this case means those nights I sat up till 1030 when I was 12 on a Friday night to watch Christopher Lee in Taste the Blood of Dracula. As far as changes, please don't. I assume things can always be improved, but I've just gotten into the show and am so enamored with the Ultraman segment, the famous monster segment, and of course, your welcome rambles on all things monstrous. Just thanks, Don. Don, thank you for reaching out. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you tuning in, and I'm so happy that you're enjoying the show. I'm enjoying doing it. The segments that are sent in, you know, from Mark or Kenny or back in the day when we had some other segments being contributed, that to me just makes the show even more fun because I get to step into your shoes and just be a listener. I, I don't have to wear the producer hat all the time. I get to listen to these segments as they come in, and, and I get to be one of you. And it, it makes me incredibly happy. And it makes me happy that you found the show. I'd be curious to know how you found the show. Did you find it through, like, an iTunes or a Google search or on a message board or somewhere online? I'm just real curious as to how you discovered the podcast. Maybe drop me a line. Let me know. And Taste the Blood of Dracula? Mm. So good. So good. I've been feeling like the call to go back to some Hammer Dracula films lately. Just haven't decided which ones to go to. Maybe Taste the Blood of Dracula is the one I need to go revisit. It's been a long time since I've watched a Hammer vampire film. So maybe that'll be the one. Don, thank you for writing in. Now we got another email. This one was titled Fun Mothra, the Hollywood episode. So this is in reference to a couple of episodes ago. This comes from Kurt F. Here we go. Hi, Derek. Hi, Kurt. Uh, it was fun listening to the reactions of you, Beth, and Matt after watching Mothra at the Hollywood Theater. I would love to see Mothra on the big screen someday. I've only watched it on TV, where all the vehicles looked like Tonka toys. Yeah, uh, there's still a little bit of that, but it's, still, it's not nearly as bad. Anyway, one of my memorable Mothra experiences is of watching it on TV when I was young. My dad was also in the living room when the movie was showing. After 10 or 15 minutes, he got up, and stormed out of the room, complaining about the quote-unquote ham acting and what a dumb movie it was. We were watching an English dubbed version with lots of goofy voices and dialogue, so in a way, I can understand why the movie seemed wacky to him. I must explain that my dad, being Japanese-American, was very proud of his heritage. For him, Japanese cinema meant the samurai epics of Kurosawa. Uh, well, I mean, this stuff's really good. Anyway, uh, let's see. Not the kaiju movies of Ashiro Honda. I think that my dad, seeing Japanese actors in blackface, pretending to be natives, and watching Frankie Sakai goofing around, was a disgrace to Japanese culture. Now, there is a happy ending to this anecdote. Many years later, I got a laser disc of Mothra in the original Japanese language. I was visiting my parents and played the movie for them. 
Maybe it was hearing the original Japanese dialogue, or maybe it was because my dad had mellowed as he got older, but he actually enjoyed Mothra upon second viewing. He even laughed at some of Frankie Sakai's antics. Of course, I didn't dare tell him that he was enjoying a movie that he previously despised. Keep up the great work, Derek, and congratulations on your engagement to Beth. A fellow monster kid, Kurt. P.S. Mark's beta capsule reviews are great. For some reason, I was lukewarm in my feelings about Ultra 7 on initial viewings, but after listening to Mark's commentaries, I've revisited the episodes and appreciate them a lot more. Kurt, thank you for writing in, and I know I say this after every email. I appreciate all of y'all who write in and communicate with us here at Monster Kid Radio. And, you know, these, these stories here that I'm really enjoying when I hear about somebody else's first experiences or important experiences with these movies. Like seeing the movie with Beth and my buddy Matt and his family for the very first time for them, it was fantastic. But, you know, that's just such a limited experience that I got to share with you to hear what your experiences are with these movies. That's the best part. And, you know, Japanese cinema, it's, it's fascinating to me. This is one of the reasons why I like looking at so many different types of movies from all different time periods and all different areas from around the world. Japanese classic cinema, Kurosawa, fantastic. One of my favorite Japanese films is Ron, or it's spelled Ran, but it's pronounced Ron. I love that film. I saw it for the first time in film school, and it blew me away. Is it a monster movie? Does it have kaiju in it? No, absolutely not, but it's fantastic. Uh, the Samurai Epics of Kurosawa, oh, mm, so good. But I love the kaiju films too, the tokusatsu, the genre stuff. In some ways, I feel like, oh man, now I'm about to make a real broad uh, generalization and this isn't just about Japanese cinema, but this is just overall worldwide. I feel like sometimes genre cinema, cinema that is specifically playing to the genre, because genre is really just a marketing thing that's made up anyway. It's not, anyway, I feel like cinema that plays to the genre is sometimes more honest about what they're trying to do. They're pretty blatant about what their intentions are, and I love that. So I'm so glad that your father was able to enjoy Mothra. I mean, yeah, I, I think maybe me seeing it subtitled versus the dubbed edition that I'd seen previously, it felt different. It felt bigger. It somehow felt more important in a way. But that's just kind of the film snob in me coming out maybe a little bit where I prefer subtitled over dubbed. I've never been somebody who's had an issue with subtitled movies. I've never subscribed to the... I can't read while I'm watching something, you know, I don't have that problem. I've always been able to watch subtitles and, you know, I kind of go back to something like, shoot, Star Wars, you know, which is a movie that I saw a lot as a kid. And anytime any of the aliens were speaking and they got subtitled, I had no problem with that. Maybe that just kind of primed the pumps and made it more possible for me to enjoy foreign films in their original language. Side note, Star Wars I don't know why this decision was made, but if an alien gets subtitles, he's a bad guy. Chewie doesn't get subtitles. Night Numb, the Return of the Jedi, when he's talking to Lando, he doesn't get subtitles. I don't know why that is. Not sure. But anyway. Thank you for writing in, Kurt. I appreciate it, man. Then we got another email. This one's short and sweet. Uh, it comes from somebody calling themselves Count Orlock but then they signed their email as George M. So Count Orlock, a.k.a. George M., writes, I saw Mothra in the theater when it was first released. More years than I can prepare to remember. It's still my favorite Toho film. It was a lot of fun. 
I'm glad you got to see it in the theater. The podcast is awesome. George, thanks for writing in. It was pretty phenomenal. I have been, and, and nothing's been publicly said, so I don't want to get into it too much. But I have been told that there are plans to do some more kaiju stuff at the Hollywood Theater. Another, I don't know, run of movies, another movie night, something. There's been talk about maybe doing something in the future, and you know I'm going to be there if that happens. And I'll talk about it here on the show. Thanks for writing in. If you want to participate in a future feedback section of the show, all you got to do is send me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com, or you can call and leave me a voicemail at 360-524-2484. I want you to know that I'm aware that I have at least one voicemail in the bank. We're going to get to that next week. So if you want to be part of that, again, call in 360-524-2484. There's a three-minute limit on the voicemail, but if you have more than three minutes worth of stuff to say, just call back in and continue your conversation with the voicemail machines, and then I'll stitch it all together to make it sound like one continuous call. Or send me an audio file, in addition to just a regular email if you want, at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. All right, I've kept you in suspense long enough. You've been waiting way too long. Let's get into the rest of the show. Coming up, the Beta Capsule Review. The Terror Shot. That can't be stopped. You're not God. You're not even human. You murdered those men and you made me a murderer too. Weird experiments of accursed scientists turn human beings into living hybrid hell monsters. Now you hold hands with the devil. Now you run. Run for your life from the terror, the torment, the torture inflicted by Satan's ambassador of evil. The next victim could be you. Or you. Or you. Caught forever by the curse of the fly. Famous Monsters of Hollywood magazine names it Shock Award winner, The Monster of Piedras Blancas. The Monster of Piedras Blancas, the world's most shocking monster, stalks its unsuspecting prey, feasts its eyes on the next victim to writhe in its slimy arms. The screen's most nightmarish beast, A claw-fingered, scaly-skinned, half-human crustacean turning a lonely lighthouse village into a frenzied bedlam of blood-curdling horror. Never have you known such cringing terror, such... drawn by love to the forbidden cove of the sea monster, then trapped in a torment of unendurable suspense. In the screen monsterama of a thousand incredible... See the movie named the most brain-paralyzing shock story of them all, The Monster of Piedras Blancas.
Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Return of Ultraman, Episode 1, All Monsters Attack. First broadcast, April 2nd, 1971. After many quiet years, kaiju explode upon the scene, drawing the attention of the Monster Attack Team, part of the United Nations Terrestrial Defense Organization. MAT members Minami, Kishida, and Ueno are deployed in well-armed fighter jets Arrow 1 and 2. Meanwhile, at Sakata Auto Shop, Ken, Aki, and Jiro Sakata and their friend, Go Hideki, get word of the kaiju attack, and Jiro, the youngest of the group, rushes off to investigate, pursued by Go. Captain Kado and Oka of the MAT, leading the evacuation, learn of a young boy named Hiroshi who went back to rescue his pigeons, putting him in the path of monster Takong. By chance, they meet Jiro and Go, and upon learning of Hiroshi's plight, Go runs into danger to save the boy, whose puppy is also stranded. Go bravely protects both dog and boy from an avalanche of rubble while a blinding flash drives Takong back into the waters of the bay. Go is taken to the hospital where despite medical attention and Aki's prayers, he tragically dies. The Sakata family in their grief makes a funeral pyre out of the race car they were building together. And all of that takes place before the first commercial break. After the break, a visitor from the Land of Light joins his life force to go, resuscitating the courageous race car driver, which shocks the Sakatas and attracts the attention of the Monster Attack team. All Monsters Attack is a jaw-dropping debut that knows exactly what it's doing, establishing the scenario with maximum efficiency, introducing engaging characters, memorable monsters, and a new ultra-hero. Once the title sequence is done, no more than five seconds elapse before two kaiju, sludge monster Zazan and oil monster Takong, are duking it out, with fire-breathing Arstron wreaking havoc in the episode's second half. Return of Ultraman begins with confidence and cinematic flair, and there's a good reason for that. The first two episodes were directed by none other than Ishiro Honda. Yes, that Ishiro Honda, whose partnership with Eiji Tsuburaya had produced the great classics of Japanese special effects film, beginning with 1954's Godzilla. Honda would ultimately direct five episodes of Return of Ultraman, including the series finale. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we are having a quiz show, which makes this segment easy to research. 
From issue one, Famous Monsters has challenged our brains with trivia quizzes, contests, and mystery photos. Sometimes the quizzes were silly pun-filled affairs that made you feel smart. Others were truly difficult, using obscure quotes from the movies. The mystery photo was especially hard without the internet to help, unless you're good at word jumbles. Today we will look at the first Monsteramic quiz from FM1 in 1958. It is of the silly variety, geared to young kids, but it's fun, so here we go. If you are a dyed-in-the-wolf horror fan, or if you collect pinup pictures of Karloff, Lugosi, Cheney, Peter Lorre, Tor Johnson, John Carradine, Basil Rathbone, and similar stars, you'll be sure to recognize the right answers to most of the questions in this quiz. If your nose has been glued to your TV for such shows as Shock, Nightmare, Witching Hour, etc., Maybe it can be unstuck by an application of soap and hot water. If you miss more than half the questions, you had better memorize the contents of this magazine. If you miss all the questions, you've been missing a lot of fun in life. Question number one. The film Dracula was based on the book by A. Ernie Kovacs, B. Bram Stoker, or C. Mickey Spillane. Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. Number two, the Russians invented Frankenstein. True or false? False. If they had, he probably would have been named Frankensteinsky. Number three, the sequel to King Kong was Hong Kong. True or false? False. Son of Kong was the sequel. Number four, the daughter of Dr. Jekyll married the son of Mr. Hyde. True or false? False. Alas, there was no son of Mr. Hyde. Number five. Them was about A. Giant eagles B. Giant ants or C. Giant dwarfs. Them was about giants. Number six. True or false, Dr. Ernest Dichter says horror movies are good for people. True, and he is so right. Number seven, The Incredible Shrinking Man was the son of The Amazing Colossal Man. True or false? False, he wasn't even his father. Number eight, Pharaoh's Curse starred A. Natalie Wood B. Ingrid Bergman C. Marilyn Monroe D. Sophia Loren E. Shirley Temple F. Who can remember? Well, who can remember? Number 9. The Man Who Turned to Stone was the sequel to The Boy Who Liked to Rock. True or false? False. The sequel to The Man Who Turned to Stone was The Man Who Grew Bolder. Number 10. Cyclops had an eye, A, in the back of his head, B, on the top of his head, or C, a single eye on the front of his face. Cyclops had a single eye on the front of his face. Number 11. I Was a Teenage Werewolf was about 
A. A 90-year-old vampire B. A 3,000-year-old mummy or C. A teenage werewolf Well, it wasn't about a 90-year-old vampire or a 3,000-year-old mummy. Number 12. The creature from the Black Lagoon was in A. Black and white or B. Technicolor. The creature from the Black Lagoon was in black and white. The hero and heroine were in black and blue. Number 13. The Bride of Frankenstein A. Sued for divorce on the grounds that her husband acted like a monster. B. Was disappointed when she discovered her groom wasn't a self-made man. Or C. Went all to pieces when her marriage blew up in her face. All three reasons were good enough for the Bride of Frankenstein to give her husband the heir instead of an heir. Number 14. The curse of Frankenstein was A. Darn B. Gosh or C. Heck The curse of Frankenstein was a darn scary picture by gosh and a heck of a thriller diller. Number 15. I am going to tell all my friends about Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. True. You'd better, or we'll sick a monster on you. Would you prefer the shrinking or colossal variety? Number 16. If I cheated and looked at the answers, true or false, I'm a monster. No choice. Don't look in the mirror just now, but your nose has just vanished and your ears have begun to grow furry and pointed. But don't despair. At this rate, maybe you'll disappear altogether and get a part as I was a teenage invisible man. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. town seems deserted. That monster's on the loose right here in town. Anybody can catch sight of this thing? Well, a few kids playing in the street said he was 20 feet tall, covered with long hair, and had great big teeth. Behind these empty streets, these windows shut in fear, lies the strange story of a young girl who knows the secret of the teenage monster. Fascinated by an evil demon, unable to control her sinister desires, she leads the monster to his prey, sacrificing an entire town to his insatiable lust for human life. I don't like to be stolen from her. I don't like to be laughed at. Oh, but it's not going to happen anymore. Because Charles won't let it. He'll kill anybody who does. Even you, I think. <gasps> Joe Martindale came in this morning, lost six of his blooded steers last night, and a rider. The steers had their throats torn out, and the rider, Bill Begley, was beat to death. It's that thing again. I'll meet you back at the office. I'm going to have to go, Ruth. You stay in town. That thing's loose on the range again, not 15 miles from your mine. What was it? It was that thing. Harry and horrible. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. I saw him, the monster. He ran away from this barn carrying the girl. A posse in panic, not knowing what they'll find. Man, beast, or demon from another world as they pursue the loathsome killing thing they call the teenage monster. Thank you.
listen. Do you hear? It's coming back. Turning the screen into a buzzing, crawling, creeping nightmare of terror. This is the son of the original fly, daring to explore the forbidden science of transmigration that brought horrible death to his father. You look as if you've just seen a ghost, old man. It was the fly. Fear that will fasten its choking grip on you as his weird experiments spawn the twisted monstrosities of a living hell. The rat man whose hands and feet are changed to paws. The living corpse who rose from his coffin. And the return of the fly, seeking revenge with a thousand eyes. Smashing anything that stands in his way. Suppose he does come here. What if Philippe does not have the mind of a human, but the murderous brain of the fly? Then he will have to be destroyed. Everybody, what is up, everybody? I uh, haven't haven't done what we're doing here ever, so hopefully this all works out. Let's, let's uh. So yes, somebody made a comment on the shirt. This is the uh, the Monster Kid Radio um, collage shirt of lobby cards and movie posters, and uh, it is available for sale. If you never if you didn't get one for yourself and you're interested, thirty five dollars. Send me a message here on Twitch, and I'll let you know where to send the money. Send me your address, and we'll make sure we get a shirt sent out to you. This is held up to multiple washes. I wear this a lot. I love it so much. It's one of my favorite designs, one of my favorite pieces of merch that we've created for Monster Kid Radio. One thing that we plan on doing later this year is kind of restructuring a number of website things, and uh, when we get that figured out... Um, we're going to have a, a more robust e-commerce side of things for Monster Kid Radio Online. So stay tuned for that. Derek has pan and scanned. Can't fix it. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> um, turns out, I have a lot less time in this apartment than, than I was really kind of thinking about. Uh, Beth and I were talking last night, and uh, she mentioned something yesterday. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll be moving here within the next few months. So... I'm not going to spend a lot of time kind of rearranging a lot of things here because in a couple months I got to tear it all down anyway. But once we get moved into, once I get moved into my new place, we have an office set up here or, or there. You're going to see a lot of things kind of different, different bells and whistles, different functionality. I'm really, really looking forward to what the future holds for uh, Monster Kid Radio, for the Twitch channel for a number of other projects that I'm really kind of hesitant to announce just yet uh, because I still need to lay some, grain, lay some groundwork for that. But I can announce some future Monster Kid Radio stuff. We have some new Monster Kid Radio stuff I want to talk about. Now, I, I mentioned this, and this is being recorded, I think. Let me double check. Yep, this is being recorded. This is going to be this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio as well. If you listen to the podcast, you're going to get more stuff because you're going to get Kenny's amazing Famous Monsters of Villain segment, plus 
Mark Maskey's beta capsule review, uh, but this is the podcast this week. So I can go ahead and I can confirm that yes, in fact, even though we talked a little bit about it last week, I want to make sure it's solid. Kaiju-lai, Kaiju month, the month of July, we're going to do nothing but Kaiju movies during the month of July. And there will be at least one episode dedicated to the Kaiju of Ultraman. Yes, Mark Madsky is on board for being involved with that, as is Anthony Wendell, who hasn't been on the show in a very long time, but he's another Kaiju fan, longtime supporter of Monster Kid Radio, and uh, the three of us are going to talk about Ultraman Kaiju. But that's not the only thing that's going to happen during Kaiju Live. We've got a number of other things as well. I actually just had a Blu-ray sent to me. I, I don't have it here in hand right now uh, by a listener who's never been on the show before, but he's a longtime fan, and it's a relatively recent Blu-ray release of a kaiju film that I had never heard of until it came out on Blu-ray. So uh, he, he asked if he could send me a copy. Of course, I'm going to say yes. And I'd love to have him on the show to talk about this movie. So uh, we've got one weird South Korean kaiju movie coming up. We've got Ultraman Kaiju coming up and a few other surprises. I also want to let you know about another themed month. We're only going to do two themed months in 2023. This is the first time that I've announced it here on the show. I discussed it with Beth and I think she's on board. Fingers and tentacles crossed. Uh, to be involved with the last episode of the month of May. No, it's, it's a stretch. But May will be nothing but Monos the Hands of Fate. <laughs> I don't know. Can we handle four weeks? Four weeks of Monos the Hands of Fate? I think we can. Plus, that happens after the wedding. So then I can go ahead and get away with showing Beth Monos and getting her thoughts about it on the show, and we'll already be married. It's not like she has anywhere she can run to at that point, right? I mean, she's locked in. So, yeah, May will be, May knows the hands of fate, and then Kai July. Those are the only two theme months we're doing this year. Uh, don't want to go too heavy on the theme months, but that's coming up. I'm pretty excited about it. It should be fun. should be a lot of fun. All right, let's see. Let me check out some of the comments here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, The Return of Ultraman, uh, that is coming up on, well, this week's episode. You will have already heard it if you're listening to this as a podcast, because Mark Batsky has already sent me his beta capsule review of the first episode of The Return of Ultraman. So that'll be coming up here. Uh, that'll be fun. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Kai July, awesome. Uh, an old, <laughs> no, the most in-depth study of Manos ever. Probably. Oh, for the sake of my marriage, only torture Beth once. You know what? If if it becomes a thing and she's not interested, if we start watching Manos, and you know, I see she's in the chat right now, if we start watching Manos and she just can't handle it or she's not into it or whatever, we'll turn it off. That's fine. Um, but I'm pretty excited to share one of my favorite, and I, I don't say this ironically, I mean this with all sincerity, Manos the Hands of Fate means a great deal to me. It is a DIY project that has gained notoriety. The only thing that I wish different about Manos, I wouldn't change anything, except I wished that the filmmakers received their notoriety when they were still able to enjoy it and exploit it. That's all. All right, let's see. Yeah, 
Yeah, Tony Trombo has been to the site. I'm friends with him on Facebook. I've never really interacted with him very much, though. Uh, start Beth with the Rift version. I don't know, man. I love it straight. And, and I like how Beth in the chat right now says that she'll make me watch the eight-hour Pride and Prejudice BBC miniseries. Thing is, is that Beth has introduced me some to some pretty amazing things. Uh, I'm sure if she loves the eight-hour Pride and Prejudice, it's got to be good stuff. I'd be happy to watch it with her. Uh, she introduced me to Outlander, and I'm hooked, man. I am a huge fan of Outlander. I love Outlander. It's, it's one of my favorite television discoveries. I'm disappointed that I didn't watch it from the beginning, but I'm glad because I get to binge through so much of it. And I think we just, we're starting season five, aren't we, Beth? So good. So good. Makes me want to go back and read the books. Outlander, which you call Dr. Claire and her no-account husband. Yeah, there are many, many times when Beth and I are watching Outlander together and uh, we, we have to... I know we're talking to a TV screen, to a character that can't hear us, but there are many times when we're like, oh, Jamie. Oh, Jamie, what are you doing? But yeah, I think I want to read the books even. And John Gray is like one of my favorite TV characters of all time. So, anyway. um, Is there an Outlander podcast? Maybe there should be an Outlander podcast. I should look for one. So, what are we here for today? We are here for a grand experiment. We are here for a monster movie trivia quiz. I know that last year I was running some ads on the Saturday streams when I was doing that on the regular about having like a, a kind of monster kid radio game show. I still want to do that with the bells and whistles, the whole nine yards. That's not what this is. Unfortunately, I don't have the tech, the time or, or the know-how on how to put that together yet, but uh, it will happen sometime. I hope in the future. In the meantime, we're just going to have a little casual quiz. We're going to play a little game with a website called aha slides. All right. So we got 10 players. It looks like we have some viewers as well. Let's go ahead and get this started right about now. Oh, no, we lost somebody. Oh, it was Beth. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. Okay, it looks like it skipped the first question. That's okay. And how many William Castle directed films did Vincent Price appear? One, two, three, or four? One, two, three, or four. Go ahead and put in your answer on your device. Now, 10 seconds. Everyone's answered. Excellent. All right. Looks like three of you got the correct answer. Um, he appeared in uh, House on Haunted Hill and The Tingler. Those are the two that he did for uh, William Castle as a director. Is Beth playing it again? You know, she, that's okay. <laughs> Here we go. Next question. 
for the following classic films in order of their original theatrical release. Five movies. Put them in order of their original release. Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter, son of Frankenstein, son of Dracula, Frankenstein's daughter, and Dracula's daughter. Go ahead and use your device to enter your answer. All right. There you go. Oh, hey, it gave us the answer right there. Cool. Oh, then I skipped ahead. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, there we go. Let's go on to the next question. Question number four. What's the first Hammer film to feature both Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee together? Out of the Baskervilles, Horror of Dracula, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, or The Curse of Frankenstein? Which one was the first Cushing Lee joint? That's what we want to know. That's what we're looking for. 10 seconds. First Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee film. Everyone's answered. All right. How'd we do? Well, the correct answer was The Curse of Frankenstein. A Horror of Dracula came out the following year. Uh, Dr. Terrace House of Horrors isn't even a hammer film, so. But it didn't come out till the 60s anyway, so it wouldn't have counted. Yeah. So, all right. Take a look at the leaderboard here. All right. Next question. What was the real non-stage name of Lon Chaney Jr.? Was it Leonidas Chaney, Creighton Chaney, Clayton Chaney, or Frank Chaney? The real name. Of Lon Chaney Jr. You do get pat points for answering faster. That's correct. Yeah, Beth and I figured that out last night as well. Uh, looks like everybody got the answer to that one. Creighton Chaney is the correct answer. Leonidas was his father's real first name. Frank was his father's real middle name, which I did not know until I started putting this quiz together. Leonidas Chaney. That's a pretty dope name. I like it. All right, here we go. Next question. What was the first feature-length zombie movie? I know at least one of you better get this answer right away. White Zombie, Plague of the Zombies, I Walk for the Zombie, or Isle of the Dead? What's the first feature-length zombie movie? Everybody's answered. And yeah, of course, the answer is White Zombie. That is the first feature-length film. Featuring the undead. They are actually called zombies in the film proper. Um, Tab is pretty early in the movie. And Steve Sullivan uh, wrote a really good novelization of it, too. All right. Next question. Connects the mummy playing actor to their corresponding film. Lon Chaney Jr., Tom Tyler, Eddie Parker, and Boris Karloff. And the films are The Mummy's Ghost, Evan Costello, The Mummy, The Mummy's Hand, and The Mummy. Match them up. Which actor played in which mummy film? This one is tough for me. I always mix up the Universal Mummy sequel order. 
let me say and ghost curse and tomb i think are the four and i always mix them up in terms of like which one happened first like the order of release and that is how i would determine who played what mummy because uh, i know one guy played the mummy in the first one and then somebody else played them in the other one so yeah it's a little difficult but yeah uh go ahead and match them up four seconds left looks like we've got 18 viewers in the chat from the twitch stream right now which is cool so lon cheney jr played the mummy in the mummy's ghost tom tyler in the mummy's hand Eddie Parker was the mummy in Abbott, Costello Meet the Mummy, and of course Karloff was the original mummy for Universal. If you look at the leaderboard here, Steve is still in first place with Nutmeg behind, and then Kenny as well in third place. Next question. What's the name of the village in which the Haunted Palace takes place? The name of the village the Haunted Palace takes place. Is it Dunwich or Dunwich? Arkham, the village of Frankenstein, or Boston? Everybody answered that. That was pretty darn quick. Yeah, it was either Dunwich or Dunwich or Arkham. Arkham is where it takes place. Uh, both Dunwich and Arkham are Lovecraftian locations, and of course, the village of Frankenstein from the Frankenstein films. And I forget why I put Boston in there. There's, There's got to be a reason why I put Boston in there, but I forget which movie I was trying to reference. Anyway, uh, Steve Sullivan's still in the lead. Queen's Monster behind with my best self in third place. Here we go. Next question. Put the following Vincent Price films in order of their original theatrical release. Got five Vincent Price movies here. The Last Man on Earth, Tales of Terror, Return of the Fly, The Pit and the Pendulum, and House of Wax. Put those in their original theatrical release order. I still plan on doing a full-on Monster Kid Radio game show style game here on Twitch at some point, and there will be a Vincent Price category or mini game called The Price is Right. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's something I've been wanting to do for years. I know I'm not the first person to come up with this Price is Right thing when it comes to Vincent Price, but it'll happen. Five seconds left. But we'll do something at some point. Everyone's answered. The order is House of Wax was first. Followed by Return of the Fly, then The Pit and the Pendulum, Tales of Terror, and then Last Man on Earth. But it looks like the standings really changed all that much on that one. Okay, here we go. Question 10. Who directed Cat People? Was it... Robert Wise, Val Luton, Jacques Tonor, or Mark Robeson, who directed Cat People. And of course, since this is a classic monster movie quiz, we're talking about the original Cat People, not the remake from the late 70s, early 80s, with David Bowie. Anyway, it was Jacques Tonor. Val Luton didn't direct his stuff. He was a producer. Robert Wise did direct for Val Luton, as did Mark Robeson. But yeah, Jackie T, Jacques Tonor, uh, did direct the original Cat People, and you haven't seen it, man, I highly recommend it. It's one of the best Valutin films, hands down. So good. Got a little bit of movement between fourth and fifth place happening there. Move on to the next question. What kind of accident does Mary Henry have at the beginning of Carnival of Souls? Is it a wardrobe malfunction, a car accident, a helicopter accident, 
or a boating accident? What kind of accident does she have at the beginning of Carnival of Souls? Jackie T. That's right. Oh, but we have an answer. Everybody answered. Car accident. That's right. She drives off a bridge uh, with her car. And uh, yeah. Carnival of Souls is one that I'm really looking forward to sharing with my fiance. I think she'd really like it. Uh, it's so good. So good. Ooh, how about a Carnival of Souls Monos the Hands of Fate double feature? All right, next question. <laughs> the blob has a weakness. What is it? Is it extreme heat, extreme cold, extreme moisture, or extreme silliness? What is the weakness of the blob? Silly blob. Silly billy blob. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. Do I have it still? Oh, I saw it with Unreach. I have a little piece of the blob here. Uh, I should keep it in the freezer because the weakness of the blob is extreme cold. Looks like everybody got that as well. Good job, everybody. Everybody's moving up in points. Excellent. Let's take a look a little bit further down the leaderboard here. Let's take a look here. We got... Okay. Uh, Nutmeg in 6th place, Mad Science Pro in 7th, Roger in 8th, I love Roger's uh, avatar there. Tom Greganis in ninth, and May the Siren in 10th. Alright, let's go back up and go to the next question. Here we go, question number 13. What's the name of Julie Adams' character in Creature from the Black Lagoon? Was she playing a character named Marsha Barton, Ellen Dobson, Lucy Sturgis, or Kay Lawrence. I will admit that I really fought the temptation to make this nothing but creature from the Black Lagoon trivia, because y'all know it's my favorite movie and all that. But, you know, I wanted to give some other movies their shine as well. Everybody has answered. Uh, Kay Lawrence is correct. Uh, Helen Dobson is the female lead character in Revenge of the Creature. Uh, Marsha Barton, I believe, is from Creature Falcons Among Us. And, I, and Lisa Sturgis is the female lead from the monster Piedras Blancas. Oh, Kenny moved up into second place there. Okay, cool. Oh, stay there. What classic film franchise started with a color film but ended with a black and white film? Was it The Fly, Quatermass, Frankenstein, or... <laughs> Excuse me, or Dr. Five. Sorry about that, folks. Give me one moment. Classic film franchise started color, but ended in black and white. Time's up. The answer is correct. Yes, it is the fly. For whatever reason, the first fly is in color, but its follow-ups uh, were in black and white. Quatermass started in black and white and went color. Frankenstein, with the classics from Universal, never went color. So, there is that. And Dr. Fives was always color. It always wigged me out that the fly went black and white after the first one. I never understood that, but... Anyway, next question. Number 15 of 35. Who played the first werewolf for Universal in a feature-length film? 
who played the first werewolf for Universal was Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr., Henry Hull, or Claude Rains, who played the first werewolf for Universal. Everyone's answered. Well, that was quick. The answer is, in fact, Henry Hull in Werewolf of London. Uh, Bela Lugosi plays the first werewolf on screen, kind of, in The Wolfman. Uh, we never see him in, like, Wolfman form. He's always a wolf or Bela. Lon Chaney Jr., of course, is a wolfman. And Claude Rains, I don't think, ever played a wolfman, but he did play Lon Chaney's father in The Wolfman. But yeah, Henry Holt played the Wolfman in Werewolf of London, which is a movie that I don't think gets enough attention. It's, it's, it's a really good movie. Ah, Roger just bumped up into fourth place. All right, here we go. Let's go to the next question here. Question number 16. Which of the following films is not part of Universal's Invisible Man series? The Invisible Agent, The Invisible Killer... The Invisible Man's Revenge or The Invisible Man's Return? Which one of those four films is not part of Universal's Invisible Man series? All right, here we go. The answer is The Invisible Killer is not a Universal Invisible Man film. In fact, I don't know if there's a movie called The Invisible Killer. I just kind of pulled that out of the ether nether realms last night when I was putting this together. Invisible Agent and Invisible Man Revenge are also part of the Invisible Man series. Uh, Invisible Man's Revenge, for me, is not that great. It's kind of the weakest of the whole run, but it's part of it. I love The Invisible Agent, and uh, I don't talk about it enough. Really good. Next question, 17 of 35. Which mechanized kaiju appeared first? Was it Mechagodzilla or Mechanicong? Which mechanized kaiju appeared first? 15 seconds. Everyone's already answered. Okay, how'd y'all do? Uh, two of you went for Mechagodzilla, but unfortunately you're wrong. Mechanicong appeared first, and King Kong escapes, and technically appeared in the cartoon uh, that Toho was working on with, was it Rankin Bass? Uh, first, and then appeared in King Kong Escapes, which is one of my absolute favorite kaiju movies. I love King Kong Escapes. I'm not sure, sure what it is about that movie, but I absolutely love it. So, Mechanic Kong for the win there. Everybody looks like a lot of people got that one right. Okay. Next question, number 18 of 35. In how many feature films did Bela Lugosi play Dracula? How many feature films? One, two, three, or four? Now, I stressed feature films because he did play Dracula in a short film that was a Betty Boop short in which he comes to life as a wax museum figure of Dracula. Betty Boop bumps into him and he says some things like, you have booped your last boop, which is awesome, but it's not a feature-length film. He only appeared in two feature-length films as Bela Lugosi, excuse me, as Dracula, which is the original Dracula, and then the end of the monster cycle, technically, I guess, sort of, the Abba and Casella meet Frankenstein film. He played other vampires as well, of course, in other films, but never really played Dracula again. Okay, hun, okay, I'll get to that in a second. Karloff plays Imhotep in The Mummy. What other name does he use in the film? Ardeth Bay, 
Sir Joseph Wemple, Karis, or Mohammed Bey? Uh, I want to go back to the chat, though. Um, yeah, Ardeth Bey is the answer. Mohammed Bey is another character in another mummy film, uh, but Boris Karloff does play Imhotep and then Ardeth Bey as well. Okay, we'll go to the next question here in a second because uh, Beth just told me that she cosplayed as Betty Boop once, and uh, I hope, I really hope there's a picture. Next question. <laughs> Number 20 of 35. Who played the titular character in 1962's The Phantom of the Opera? Was it Claude Rains, Lon Chaney, Nelson Eddy, or Herbert Long? 1962's The Phantom of the Opera. I didn't put the name of the film studio behind this particular project because I thought it might give it away, maybe. But, yeah, this is uh, 1962's Phantom of the Opera, which is a Hammer film production. Uh, Herbert, Herbert Lom was the man who played the Phantom in that film. Uh, Nelson Eddy appeared in the 1940s film by Universal. Lon Chaney, of course, played the original. Did Claude Rains ever play the Phantom? I can't remember. Well, yeah, of course he did. And I'm sorry, Claude Rains was the Phantom in the Universal film. I'm sorry. Nelson Eddy was the romantic lead in the Universal film in the 40s. That's my bad. My bad. Yeah, and I called out in the chat, of course, because, yeah, I got that one wrong, and I expect to be called out on it. All right, next question, moving on. Speaking of correct answers, we still got Steve in the lead with Kenny coming up on his heels in second place. Question number 21. The 1960 British film The City of the Living Dead was released under what title in the U.S. in 1962? Was it Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, Horror Hotel, Song of Midnight, or Witches Be Crazy? I think I'm hilarious. I'll just put that out there. Uh, if you haven't seen City of the Dead or City of the Living Dead, oh, it's so good. And it's City of the Dead is to be true to be correct. It is released as Horror Hotel in the U.S. Uh, that's my bad. I think actually it's just City of the Dead, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Fantastic Christopher Lee film. So good. Song at Midnight is a movie that I've never seen. Uh, I stumbled across it while I was researching some things for this quiz. It looks like it is a early Chinese horror movie combining elements of Hunchback from Notre Dame as well as The Phantom of the Opera, and I really want to see it. So that's for Song of Midnight. Is from and again, Doctor Chair's House of Fours was an amicus film, um, but it didn't come out until so a few years later. Next question: How many times did Boris Karloff play Frankenstein's monster in a feature film for Universal? Was it one, two, three, or four? How many times did he play the monster? Not to be confused by how many times he appeared in a Frankenstein film for Universal, or a Frankenstein film in general, because he did appear in more Frankenstein movies than he did appear in as Frankenstein's monster. He appeared in three films for Universal. The original Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein. He did appear in House of Frankenstein as a different character, and then not for Universal, but he appeared in the movie Frankenstein 1970 as a descendant, of Dr. Frankenstein, but he only did 
the makeup, the full-on Frankenstein's monster, in three movies for Universal. Sorry, I got a sore throat there all of a sudden. Uh, speaking of Bride of Frankenstein, though, apparently the Joy Cinema is showing that as part of like a celebration of Valentine's Day this weekend, and there is a chance Beth and I are going to be going. Uh, if you're in the area, I'd love to, you know, connect with you and, and, you know, see what you think about the movie. I'll probably bring my recorder along as well, because can't go to a classic mods movie without my recorder and taking off my podcaster hat. Next question. All right, here we go. 23. Question 23. Who did not pay, play Frankenstein's monster for Hammer Films? Who did not play Frankenstein's monster? So Christopher Lee, Kiwi Kingston, David Prowse, or Eddie Parker? Three of these men played Frankenstein's monster. One of them did not. Who did not play Frankenstein's monster? Three seconds left. Okay, the answer is Eddie Parker did not play Frankenstein's monster. Christopher Lee did play Frankenstein's monster. Technically, I suppose you could say Frankenstein's creature, but y'all know what I meant. David Prowse played, yes, Darth Vader played Frankenstein's monster in Frankenstein and the monster from hell. Kiwi Kingston also appeared in one of the Hammer Frankenstein films, kind of notoriously because he's the one that looks the most like a traditional universal Frankenstein monster, I believe, because he's got the flat top, which is something Hammer had to avoid or tried to avoid for a long time. But Eddie Parker never appeared in a Frankenstein film for Hammer. Oh, we just had a shakeup at the top of the leaderboard there. Eddie is now 20 points ahead of Steve. Go to the next question. There's still time to catch back up. Next question. Dr. Matt Hastings fought what giant bug? Did he fight a giant mantis, giant ants, giant slugs, or a giant tarantula? What giant bug did Matt Hastings fight? One of these fiends is not like the other. Oh, I love that. I love that. We're going to... Oh, that's your genius. We're going to use that too. All right. Dr. Matt Hastings fought a giant tarantula in a movie titled Tarantula with John Agar playing Do Dr. Matt Hastings. Uh, he did not appear in a movie with giant ants. I was thinking of them when I came up with that. Uh, he did not appear in that one, but he did appear in Tarantula and he's awesome. It's probably my second favorite John Agar performance. Oh. All right. Oh, Steve just overtook him. Steve is ahead of Kenny by four points. Ooh. Question 25 of 35. Here we go. What's the name of the boat in Creature from the Black Lagoon? What's the name of the boat? Is it the Nina, the Santa Maria, the Rita, or the Pacific Princess? All right. And yeah, it is the Rita. The Pacific Princess is uh, the love boat. Um, that would have been cool. <laughs> if they had done like a Halloween episode where they, they get stuck somewhere and, you know, they have to deal with like a gill man or something. That would have been really cool. But no, it, it is the Rita. Uh, in the second film, Revenge of the Creature, it is the Rita 2. 
as in the number two, not like also. Oh man, the difference in first and second place is four points. Rogers in third place with about 300 points behind. Uh, Kevin is in fourth and Tom is in fifth. Let's go to the next question. Question number 26. How is the giant lizard stopped in the giant Gila monster? How do they stop it? Do they drown it? Is it stopped by electrocution? Is it pushed off a cliff? Or is it blown up? How do they stop the giant lizard in the giant Gila monster? Uh, okay, the answer is it is blown up. Uh, if I remember correctly, don't they load a car up with TNT and kind of ram it? And then, boom! Uh, electrocution and pushed off a cliff would be, you know, possible. But yeah, they blew it up. Oh, man. All right, we're going to go to the next, next question here. Question number 27. In the film X, The Man with the X-Ray Eyes, who played the man with the X-ray eyes? Is he played by Don Rickles, Ray Milan, Dick Miller, or Harold J. Stone? Everybody answered that one pretty quick, and everybody got it right. Is Ray Milan? Uh, Don Rickles and and Harold J. Stone are both in the film, and I think Dick Miller is as well. Uh, but yeah, Ray Milan is the man with the X-ray eyes. Wow, one point separates our first and second place. See if the next question changes that. Question number 28. What was the first color Godzilla film? What was the first color Godzilla film? Was it Godzilla King of the Monsters, Godzilla Raids Again, Terror of Mechagodzilla, or King Kong vs. Godzilla? What was the first Godzilla film to be in color? Everyone has answered, and six of you got the answer correct. King Kong versus Godzilla was the first color Godzilla film, uh, the third Godzilla film. Uh, there was a, a big stretch of time between Godzilla and Godzilla Rides, I'm sorry, Godzilla Rides Again, which was the second film, and King Kong versus Godzilla, because Toho was working on other things, like Rodan and Mothra and things like that. King Kong versus Godzilla, first time we see Godzilla on screen in color. All right, here we go. Next question. 29 of 35. The Return of the Vampire features Bela Lugosi as a vampire, but it features another classic monster. What was it? A werewolf, a hunchback assistant, a robot, or a Frankenstein's monster? What was the other monster to appear in The Return of the Vampire, which I believe came out the same year as Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, which was pretty much the first time we saw monster crossovers, was uh, those two films, which is pretty darn cool. Seem kind of mash it up a little bit. Three seconds. Time's up. The answer is a werewolf. Uh, there is a werewolf, I believe his name is Andre, isn't it? I'd have to double check. But there's a werewolf that the vampire is able to kind of boss around and control. And it's pretty cool. And Return of the Vampire is another movie that doesn't get talked about enough. Oh, that first and second spot. Hotly contested. Rogers in third place, Kevin's in third, and Mad Science Pro is in fifth place. All right, question number 30 of 35, getting near the end. 
put the following Harryhausen films in order of their original theatrical release. Got five films. Put them in order. 20 Million Miles to Earth, First Men in the Moon, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, Mysterious Island, and Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. Put those in order of their original theatrical release. And I don't know if you saw me holding back a smirk, but knowing who's in second place and knowing that he loves Harryhausen, I wonder if this might be where he overtakes the first place spot. We'll find out in 15 seconds. That's how much time you have left. 15 seconds. Put the Harryhausen films in order of their original theatrical release. All right, three seconds, and the answers are... Earth vs. the Flying Saucers was first. 20 Million Miles to Earth was second. Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, Mysterious Island, and then First Men in the Moon was the last one there. And how'd we do? Ah, okay. So Kenny is still in second place. Steve's still in first. Roger's in third. Bad Sign Pro is up in fourth. And Queen's Monster Kid is in fifth place at this point. Let's go to question number 31. Who played the ship commander in Forbidden Planet? Was it Walter Pigeon, Leonard Nimoy, King Moody, or Leslie Nielsen? Everybody answered that pretty quick. Everybody went with Leslie. Well, not everybody. Some of you did not go with Leslie Nielsen. It's crazy to think about the fact that Leslie Nielsen was a serious actor. Okay, serious for a science fiction genre flick. But he did a lot of other stuff, too, before he went the comedy route. He was really good dramatically. And Forbidden Planet, such a good movie. All right, here we go. Getting near the end, question number 32. This actor played the mad scientist in both I Was a Teenage Werewolf and I Was a Teenage Frankenstein. Was it Whit Bissell, Donald Pleasant, Vincent Price, or John Carradine? All four of them make amazing mad scientists. Everyone's answered. And uh, said, yo, bulk of you got the right answer. Whit Bissell is correct. Yeah, he played uh, a different mad scientist in both films. He didn't play the same character. He just happened to be the, the mad scientist villain in both of them. Uh, John Carradine, he played an amazing mad scientist in a number of different movies, but that was not him. All right. Here we go. Not a lot of movement on the leaderboard in the top five. Leads Monster Kid and Mad Science Pro just swapped spots for 4th and 5th, respectively. Let's go to question number 33. Who, as Douglas Martin, is trying to protect us from the killers from space? Was it John Agar, Richard Carlson, Dick Miller, or Peter Graves? And yes, I realized that I was showing killers from space here on the stream all day yesterday and last night and this morning. You have five seconds to go to pick your answer. Everyone's answered. Who's trying to protect us? Uh, it is Peter Graves. It is Peter Graves. And let's see, did that force a change on the leaderboard? It sure did. Kenny is now in first place with Steve behind him, Roger in third, Mad Science Pro in fourth, and Tom in fifth. Nearing the end, question number 34. Who's a makeup legend that designed so many of the original Universal Monster makeups like Frankenstein's Monster, the Mummy, and the Wolfman? Was it Jack Pierce, Dick Smith, Bud Westmore, or Michael Westmore? Everyone's answered that was pretty fast. 
And all but one of you got it right. It is Jack Pierce. Last question, number 35. What podcast has the absolute best listeners in the world? <laughs> Who's got the best listeners, Monster Kid Radio or some other podcast? Everybody's answered, and I hope y'all got it right, because, yeah, y'all are the best listeners in the world. Seriously. Monster Kid Radio could not be what it is, could not be what it's become without all of you backing me up. So thank you. Uh, for being the best listeners in the world when it comes to all things podcasts and Monster Kid Radio. All right, the winners. Okay, I'm just going to go through the leaderboard here. Kenny came in in first place with, uh, well, there's a bunch of points here. The points were assigned by, if you got the correct answer, and how fast you answered. But Kenny came in first place. Uh, which, yeah, weren't you saying earlier, Kenny, that you were wondering if you, how you're going to do since you never win the Tom Weaver trivia? Well, you beat you beat this game. You win this one. Kenny's in first place. We got Steve in second, Roger in third, Mad Science Pro in fourth, Tom Gerganis in fifth, Queen's Monster Kid in sixth, Kevin Slick in seventh, Nutmeg in eighth, me the producer in ninth, and my beautiful Beth, who is number one in my heart, unfortunately, is number 10 on the leaderboard, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so again, thank you for playing, everybody. This I, Did you have fun? Was this fun? Did you enjoy this? I'm going to go ahead and take that off the screen here. But yeah, was that enjoyable for you? I, I had fun putting it together. I've always wanted to do like Monster Kid Radio or Monster Movie Trivia, that sort of thing here on the channel, on Twitch, on the podcast, that sort of thing. I always thought it would be fun to do. So I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast putting it together. Uh, and I think we're going to do more of this in the future if y'all dug it. That was a hoot, somebody said. Congrats to all. Everybody got some points. Correct. This was super fun. Uh, just means you have lots more movies to watch for the first time. Happy to help you out with that, Beth. Uh, let's see. This was great. Congrats. Fantastic. Okay, good. Thought you had to at least try. <laughs> so this was fun for me, and we'll do this again in the future as well. Uh, I think I like this app. Um, it, The free version is... Well, free, but it doesn't have some of the functionality uh, that I'd like to explore a little bit more. I think if it's something that we're going to do more of down the line, I might invest in some of the more pro options, which involve like custom music and a few other things here and there that we might do in the future as well. Of course, that'll be down the line. We do need to kind of grow things out, grow things a little bit more in terms of like the audience, subscribers, followers, patrons on Patreon, things like that, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, one thing that I am considering, actually, you know what? Hold that thought. Uh, but yeah, anyway, thank you for being here and doing this. This was a lot of fun. Something I got in the mail today I wanted to share with everybody. Uh, in fact, I'm going to share with you a short video that I was going to put on TikTok, but apparently it runs just a few seconds too long, so I'm kind of stuck with it, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I could just put it up on YouTube, but it's formatted for TikTok, so uh, I'm going to put... Um, a video up real quick while I take a short break. Give me one second. Uh, me, the producer, um, says, I'm convinced Beth intentionally let me get ahead of her to save her from slinky wing disgrace. Beth is a sweetheart. She's, I love that woman so much. I can't wait. Less than two months. And uh, yeah. Oh God, Beth is amazing. I love that woman so much. All right. Um, 
Okay, wait a minute. Who's eating pizza without me? Anyway. But, uh, <laughs> Kevin, thank you for being. I appreciate it. Like I said, I'm going to play a real short video. And then I'll come back on and uh, we'll wrap up. So I'll be right back in one moment. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank you so much for being here. It means a lot having you here along for the ride, checking out the show, downloading the show, sharing posts about it, retweeting it, letting people know about Monster Kid Radio. The more people we have, the merrier. I really want to make that monster movie quiz thing, I really need a good name for it, into a semi-regular thing, a regular thing. Talked to Beth about it last night, and yeah, we think it's something that I really want to do complete with prizes, uh, that sort of thing. I do think a patron exclusive game as well would be fun to do on Patreon, which, you know, we do have a Patreon. I know I'm not very good about fulfillment, but I'm going to be making some changes to that. And, uh, I think if we did a semi-regular game show there as well, I could then turn that audio into an episode of the podcast. Uh, which you would get like a month later, and then it would kind of make things work out easier for me. Anyway, bottom line is, it was so much fun, and I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know by emailing me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or calling and leaving a voicemail at 360-524-2484. You can find that on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you're going to find links to our Facebook page, Facebook group, our Twitter, our Reddit, our Discord, our Patreon, our Twitch, and everything else that I can think of to put in this week's show notes. I did mention it earlier. I do have planned what's going to come up next week. Beth and I are going to sit down at some point and we're going to talk with her about her experiences at Transworld, which is the big haunted house and attraction trade show that happens annually in St. Louis. She works with Scaregrounds PDX and Vendetta Productions, and she was able to go with that group to learn and experience and bring back all sorts of fun stories, I hope, for next week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. So make sure you come back for that. Can't think of anything else coming up. Oh, wait a minute. Who am I fooling? Fan Expo. And that was actually the video that I referenced at the end of the recording from our Twitch stream the other night. I played a video that uh, was going to go up on TikTok, and it turns out I was able to make it go up on TikTok. But basically, it was me promoting my fan expo experience. So if you're going to be in the Portland, Oregon area, please come by and see me at Fan Expo. You can learn more about Fan Expo at fanexpohq.com slash Portland. Fan Expo is the convention formerly known as Wizard World. And I'm going to be there all three days. I'm going to be tabling. I have an author's table set up over in Author's Alley. Of course, I'm going to have a little sign-up that says, ask me about my podcast. And I just got some new Monster Kid Radio business cards put together because I haven't done those in a while. And I'm going to be promoting that. In fact, I'm going to be doing a live episode of Monster Kid Radio on Sunday that I'm going to record for a future episode, of course, of the podcast. Not entirely sure who's going to be joining me on that panel. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say Sunday? I think I said Saturday. I meant Saturday. Anyway, go check out fanexpohq.com slash Portland to learn more about the event. As I said, I'm going to be in Author's Alley, and I'm going to be selling my new book on the back burner, which is book one in the Solemn Judgment Superhero Novel series, book one in the six-week rotation universe of superhero stories. I am so excited about this. Oh, uh, I, 
I got the book done. It's finally done. It's in my hands. I received it in the mail. Look up Monster Kid Writer on TikTok, and you'll see the video that I'm referencing where you see me actually get it in the mail, and I am so excited about this. This is huge for me. Now, I know I've got a lot of fans of the Mark Temple stories, and I want to make sure that you know there are more Mark Temple stories coming as well. The superhero novel, the superhero prose stuff, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time, and I'm going to be selling book one. It is a convention exclusive at the convention. However, for listeners of Monster Kid Radio who cannot make it to the convention, if you are interested in receiving a copy of this book for yourself, the convention exclusive, I'll sell it to you. I, I have no problem doing that. You're my people. What did I say at the top of the show? You're the best podcast listeners in the world. So I got you. If you're interested, email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or shoot me a message on Facebook and let me know if you're interested in getting your hands on a copy of the convention exclusive release of On the Backburner, Solemn Judgment, book one. I'd be more than happy to sell you a copy for the exact same price that I'm selling it for at the convention. Ten bucks. It's probably going to be like three or four bucks shipping thrown in there. So... I don't know, but make it a flat $14 for U.S. shipping, and I'll, I'll, send, I'll sign it, and you'll get it in the mail probably shortly after the convention, if that's something that you're interested in. Also, there's a paperback version now of Granny and the Hole, which is a zombie short story that I wrote back in 2012, back when I was Brother D of the Mail Order Zombie Podcast. I'm making a print edition of that available as well. And that's only going to be six, only six bucks for that. So if you're interested in that, again, reach out to me directly and I'll get you taken care of. Otherwise, just thanks for giving me an opportunity to indulge myself on the writing front and talk a little bit more about my writing and my various writing projects. Let's wrap up. I want to let you know and remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unboarded license. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.